Welcome to the Insight Podcast. Joining me on the show today is David Abbott. Now, David didn't start running until he was 35, and he qualified for the Boston Marathon at the age of 36. Now he's helping runners from around the world to hit their running goals using a training philosophy and system that he's developed. I talked to David about why his first marathon didn't go to plan, how seven months later he ran another marathon over an hour quicker, why running slow will help you run fast, how his unique approach to training could help you hit your running goals, the role strength training plays for runners, and much more. Enjoy the episode. Your first marathon didn't exactly go to plan, did it, David? Um, what happened there? <laughs> oh, man. I, I think I made all of the classic mistakes that most people do training for their first marathon. So, you know, I didn't, um, I didn't allow enough time. I didn't know. I had no idea about the, the volume necessary, you know, the long runs you have to do. And then... Um, I, I ramped up my, my training too quickly, so I got injured. So then I went into the marathon undertrained, and then to, of course, cap it all off, I went out way too fast, <laughs> you know, way faster than I should have. And so I, I you know, I, I just hit the wall so, uh, so bad at, I don't know, like, you know, mile 16, 17. So I just walked in. The last part, it was, it was really painful, and it was... Um, <laughs> It was definitely a learning experience, but I think, you know, for a lot of people, that's what their first marathon's like. Yeah, for sure. I can relate. But was it, was there a part of your pride and your ego that just hurt when you have to kind of walk however many miles at the end and you're in pain and limping? Oh yeah. It, I mean, it was, it was crazy. Cause I, I, it was one of the most painful days of my life. I'll never forget how much pain and how, how like, um, deep i had to dig just just to like to walk and hobble in and you know the crazy thing was is that when i crossed the finish line i started bawling i just started like just crying like like spontaneously because it was just it was it took so much for me to to just get that last you know hour or whatever that i walked um it it just took everything out of me It, it was like just this like profound experience so it was, uh, I guess it was <laughs> kind of beautiful in a way, how, how like painful it was. Um, so, so yeah, it was, that was my first marathon. <laughs> but then is it seven months later and I'm reading this right, aren't I? You ran 70 minutes quicker. So you entered another marathon and you ran that much quicker seven months later. Is that right? Right. So, so the story goes is after that first marathon, I was pretty disappointed, um, you know, I had to walk, uh, a lot of it. Yeah. So, so I immediately, I signed up for another marathon, um, six weeks later and I thought, well, you know, I kind of gave myself the excuse. Well, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't able to train cause I was injured. The second marathon, I'm going to do a lot better. Well, I did a little better. I was about like 10 minutes faster. Um, but I still kind of hit the wall and, and, you know, shuffled in and I thought like, 
Yeah, so it was kind of, I was back to the drawing board at this point. I was like, why, why is this marathon so hard? Um, and so right at that time, you know, I listened to a lot of fitness podcasts and I heard this endurance athlete, he said, uh, run slow. This is all you need to do, run slow. You know, it's like the 80-20 running. <laughs> and for me, you know, I knew nothing about running. I knew, I didn't know why or how slow running worked, but it was like this, it was like this light bulb moment for me that like, oh, I just have to run slow. That's all I have to do, do a lot of it. So, um, so then for that summer, for the next like three to four months, I just, I just ran really slow almost every morning. I would just go out for, you know, one to two hours and just intentionally slow. Just kind of just shuffle my feet. Cause I'm like, well, that's what the guy on the, the podcast told me to do. And, um, I'll be honest, like I didn't, I just enjoy like exercising and running. So I, I didn't have any expectations that I didn't know like how it was going to work, when it was going to work. I didn't really think I was getting faster, but then like it just kind of everything like happened. Like it was about, I remember, remember um, like in late October, I had this long run and I was just, and I think, you know, a lot of runners, you have this, uh, this, these runs where you're just like running so fast and effortless and just like everything clicked. It was just like, wow, I'm like a lot faster now. And then basically just kind of one thing led to another. And, and that, um, that late, uh, the next month in November, I ran my first, um, sub three hour marathon. So that was a yeah 70 minute improvement over my first one. And sub three hours is like, it's such a good standard, isn't it? And then did that lead to other marathons after that? Another thing we should say as well is that you came to running late, didn't you? Is it that you picked up running when you were 35? That's right. So not late, you know, I'm not saying right. you're really old, but, but you know, later than some Relatively, people. Yeah. yeah. Before we press record, we were talking about, you know, some people have just got that running background, haven't they? They've run through school, through yeah. high school and maybe in college and things, but you came to it late. And so to be doing that and, and, and achieving those times when you only, when you only picked up running seriously at that age is pretty impressive. Yeah. You know, I, I played like sports and everything. So before that I played, um, you know, basketball, rugby, um, football, or, uh, as we say in America, soccer. Um, so I, I'd like always been kind of an athlete and, you know, I would, you know, ran, I, I ran like in terms of like training for sports, but I always, I thought like, um, I thought distance running was weird. <laughs> like marathon runners, like I couldn't even imagine running a marathon. I just thought, no, that is never something I can do. And even, even for example, when I started, um, a half marathon seemed like really, really mm -hmm. far. Cause I had never long run longer than like six or seven miles, but yeah, just, I joined a running club and, um, you know, I got, I just got hooked because we would do these weekly interval workouts and, you know, my, my 5k time, um, got a lot better. Cause I was that, I was that guy. Um, I think a lot of people are, I tried to beat my 5k time every single time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just tried to run, run as hard as I could. And I remember for like two years, I, I could never improve my 5k time. And then once I, uh, I joined the running club, I did these interval workouts, you know, I, I cut like 50 seconds off. So I, I got kind of hooked on just the whole thing and, and just, yeah, uh, just kind of one thing led to another. Nice. Nice. I've just noticed my laptop's not, pl not plugged in. Hold on. We don't want it running out of battery in the middle of our conversation. There we go. <laughs> um, 
So this running slow approach that you heard about on a podcast and then you applied to your own training. Yeah. So what, what's going on there? Um, how is it that running slow can help you run faster? Yeah, so <laughs> this is tough because I, I'm not like I'm not a physiologist. Right, yeah. I'm not a science guy, so I don't want to try to go into that. But what, what I basically say is that when you run slow and I want to clarify running slow is we'll say uh, running at a low heart rate. Right. Um, and in what that does, that helps you build a better engine. Because in terms of your um, the energy, right? You have two forms of energy. You're um, using, you know, fat or carbohydrates as fuel. And so, so when you're running slow, you're um, you're teaching your body. You're becoming a better fat burner, and basically, you have much more capacity. You know, when you think of like um, fat available as energy versus like carbs, right? It, it, you have infinite amount of fat versus a very limited amount of carbs. So, so basically your, um, your, we'll call it like your aerobic base, your capacity mm -hmm. to improve by running slow is, is kind of limitless in the regard of like, you can, you can improve your, um, your slow running time will get, will get much faster. Right. So that's kind of how it works is like, I just say, let's say someone runs a, 12 minute mile, right? That's their kind of their 130 beats per minute, their low heart rate running. Well, if they do enough of that running at, uh, let's say the 12 minute mile, and then maybe in a couple of months, now they're running like an 11 minute mile at the same heart rate. So they're, they're basically running faster at the same effort yeah. level, which means that relatively now they, when they run faster, when they're doing, you know, 10 minute, nine minute mile, it's that much easier for them. So that's kind of how it all all works. Yeah, and, and that echoes exactly what I've heard about this approach as well. I think I heard Rich Roll talk about it. Do you know Rich Roll? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I'm pretty mm -hmm. sure that's one of the approaches that he used. And he said, yeah, he just saw his his mile time like slowly, slowly decrease when he took this approach. Like, and all of a sudden he could run uh, eight minutes per mile. Um, but with that same effort, so still kind of feeling relaxed and smooth. So is is heart rate the indicator that you look for? I know I, I try and um, do the same thing on a Sunday morning. I'll do my slow run mm -hmm. and it'll be about five to seven miles, something like that. And I will consciously yeah. run as slow as possible. But I'm focusing on breathing through my nose. And if I can mm -hmm. breathe through my nose, I know I'm relaxed enough. And if I speed up and I start to like kind of gasp for breath, I know that I'm pushing it a bit too hard. So I, that's how I gauge it, that if I'm calm enough yeah. and slow enough, I'm breathing through my nose. But um, what, what kind of approach do you take? Yeah, so, and that's the thing is breathing. There, there are different ways to, to do it. So, so actually when I, my summer of slow running, I knew nothing about this. I knew nothing about heart rate. I didn't have a watch most of the time, mm -hmm. um, but I just went really slow. But but basically, yeah, heart rate is one indicator um, being below your aerobic threshold. But there are other um, kind of cross checks in terms of very easy breathing. If I would say if you're fully conversational. Mm -hmm. So this is actually why it's great to run with other people, because if you can basically run with someone else and have a a back and forth conversation pretty easily. Um, that's a good indicator that you're, you know, you're kind of running, um, 
you know, at, at a good, uh, good, easy pace, we'd say. Yeah. Yeah. And so the, that, that heart rate, it's a percentage of your max heart rate. Is that right? So most watches and devices, you can work it out or you can even calculate it yourself. Is that right? Yeah. Again, it's, it's, it's all of these kind of general guidelines. It's like 60 to 70%. So maybe right. newer runners more of like 60% and more experienced runner 70%. But the thing is, is like I said, is that you get, as your fitness increases, the, the percentages change, right? Oh, so kind of your, we'll call, you know, your, your zone two, your zone two changes, right? It's, it's like you start out running and you do a lot of running a year later, you know, six months later, whatever, your zone two is going to be a lot, you know, different. Right. Okay. Um, so it's never, it's never kind of fixed. Um, so that's why, uh, you know, a lot of people, they'll get maybe like uh, tested, you know, just to make sure of your, your training zones. It's, you know, it's related to um, basically rises in the, the blood lactate levels, right? So, um, so it, it's, I have kind of mixed feelings because in one, in one sense, it's very like technical about how you can ensure, but also I think you don't need any technology or testing, just, just run really slow and comfortable and for some people it's going to be even walking um that you know just that 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 slow easy comfortable kind of pace um and then just do a lot of that and then you'll improve over time yeah because people are paying certain amounts of money aren't they for like lactate tests and all these things and these mm -hmm. are kind of amateur recreational athletes but i feel like we're we're always pressured to be performing like professional athletes and like we should have all the devices and all the tests and everything yeah. and it's like like we're supposed to be doing this for fun and just for our health and our longevity aren't we and we're getting a little bit too into the finer details when actually we could just focus on the broader picture and I get the sense that that's what you're all about isn't it working with um those type of athletes that you, you're helping people all over the world and taking that approach with them so would you guide them in that in that kind of same way, would you just say, oh, keep an eye on your heart rate as you do this? Or, or what kind of things would you be saying to someone who is working with you and wants to kind of implement this slow running? Yeah, well, so I think this and this is where um, technology helps. Mm. So, so in other words, I have, I have kind of like a love-hate relationship with technology because I think sometimes if you're always for example staring at your heart rate and you know your watch and blah 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 takes kind of the the joy and the fun out of running but but on the other hand it, it also keeps you accountable mm. because i think a lot of people they don't actually know what easy is what what really slow is and so that's where having a watch having a heart rate monitor helps kind of show you that and so a lot of people i work with they they've been running their whole time. They've been running kind of steady, right? It's kind of right, right past that slow. Um, and so by when we kind of look at their heart rate data, we say, okay, you know, you were running at this pace or this heart rate level. Let's start, um, you know, going back to this pace, this heart rate level. And then we're going to see improvements, um, you know, over the next couple of months doing that. So, so yeah, it, it is, um, it is helpful in terms of being mindful uh, because I think a lot of people, you know, you just, they go out and they run kind of just based on feel or what feels good. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I think in terms of if you want to reach your running goals, mm. you know, for example, you want to, especially like train for a marathon. I think marathon training is, 
is kind of unique where you really need to to build a good base, become a better fat burner, and and that becomes um, contingent on doing a lot of this kind of extended low heart rate training. Yeah, so kind of run a bit slower than you think, I think is maybe one thing to bear in mind. And I can relate to this because over over Christmas, I did get my hands on uh, one of the wearable devices and went out for mm-hmm. one of my slow runs. And so there I am like thinking, yeah, yeah, I like, I know that every Sunday morning I run in Zo2 and I'm really calm and I can breathe through my nose. And then actually I checked the data and it wasn't, that wasn't the case. I, my heart rate was higher than I kind of thought it would be. It was more like zone three, zone four. And so that was like, yeah. a, oh, right. Actually, I should be running slower. If I'm saying that I'm running, well, I want to run in zone, zone two and I want to go slow down, it's like, ah, right. Another thing that that did when you're saying about like constantly checking the devices and heart rate and thing, uh, another thing, I kept checking my like sleep performance, of course. And then this yeah. this seems to be a thing now where people are kind of getting so anxious about their sleep performance. Like, I, I it made me sleep worse <laughs> because I was kind of like checking the yeah. data and saw, oh, I only got like six and a half hours sleep. What? Like, I thought I thought I'd got eight and that kind of thing. And I, th- I think there's a term for it now, and I can't remember what it is, but there's a term for the kind of the anxiety induced um, by yeah, these yeah, wearable yeah. devices, isn't there? Yeah, it's it's like it's like orthorexic. Yeah, though, yeah, yeah, like, something like that. Yeah, with like technology. Yeah, I think, and that's that's a kind of a pet peeve of mine. Is I think people they become like slaves to your watches. Mm-hmm. It's like your watch, your watch is a uh, it's a servant. It's not your master. It doesn't matter what your Garmin is telling you. Like use it, use it. It provides some data, and it's it's generally good kind of you know ballpark data but but it you know it has some inaccuracies so just just use it as a guide but don't you know if you feel you slept well and your watch says you didn't sleep well well what's actually true you know i don't know so um so yeah i I think we're in a we're in an interesting kind of period of time of where the technology has improved a lot right the technology is way better than you know was 10-15 years ago but there's still a lot of kind of kinks or things getting ironed out and so you know who knows how much better it's going to be how much more accurate it's going to be in the next five ten years or whatever yeah i like that i like that like using it as a guide but not being a, a slave to it and i think they're even yeah. published some research um kind of with with people wearing their devices and they've they've had a great sleep but the researchers tell tell them that they've had an awful sleep and then they don't perform as well and like vice versa yeah. as well like they've had a really bad sleep but the researchers say no, no no like you slept great like i can see it on your data you've slept great and they feel good for the rest of the day and it's like you know that goes to show doesn't it it's, it's all on feeling it's, all yeah, on it's feeling. crazy man there's the the mind is a powerful powerful thing exactly so, exactly for sure. yeah. so someone um you know wanting to set up their week training that might be looking to run their first 10k half marathon or maybe just reach a certain goal run a bit quicker than they did for their last 10k half marathon what might kind of an average week look like for that kind of um runner yeah, so what I, I like, I, I'm uh, I'm anti training plan. I don't I don't like very strict, rigid training plans. I, I like having a training system, mm. kind of a um, framework that I use. So my my training system is um, every week you have two key workouts. So one key workout would be we'll call it like your high intensity workout, something that's going to focus on getting your heart rate up 
and it could be running or it could be, you know, like on the bike or something. There are different ways to get your heart rate up. Um, but that's, but that's one of your workouts, your, your high intensity, your speed workout. And then the other one is going to be your long workout, right? And this could be a long run, but it could also be, uh, a long bike ride, um, a hike or kind of, you know, mixing these things. It all depends on the individual, their fitness level, their goals. So these are kind of your two bookend workouts, um, of the week. Right, the the uh, getting your heart rate up, this kind of VO two max based workout, and then your your long workout that's um, working on your endurance, right, which is important for races, right. Um, and then basically, in between these workouts, it's just rest or easy volume, right. And so by easy volume, I mean just low heart rate training, right. And so again, that can be done running, walking, um, you know, cross training in terms of uh, cycling, elliptical machine, you know, kind of treadmill, incline walk. So um, I, I like that sort of approach because it can be tailored to any individual and to any um, goal that they have, whether it's running their first five or 10K or training for a half marathon or marathon. Um, and it, it, what it does is it allows you to, you don't have to, um, do any workout until kind of you're ready. So in other words, don't do your hard speed workout until you're ready, right? And the same thing, um, make sure you're recovered from that until you do your, you know, your long workout. And then you're just kind of, you're kind of cycling through them. Mm. I like that. It sounds a lot more accessible than having those rigid training plans because yeah, like you said, you might have your hard workout on a a Wednesday, but then you might wake up and that day you just don't feel like you've recovered and you're not feeling good. And so you think, mm -hmm. oh, well, I'll, I'll push it back a day or two and, and that's okay. Exactly. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, cause <laughs> this is the thing about training plans is like someone made the comment of like, how do I know how I'm going to feel five Thursdays from now <laughs> yeah. where there's a, you know, a, a, a 45 minute tempo run plan. It's like, you don't know. It's just, you, you got to, um, the only, the only schedule that you can really follow is your body. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's what your body, my, my whole thing about training is you have to do on a given day, what the best thing is for your body that day. Um, so that might be, you might need to recover more. You might need to do an easy workout, um, or a couple of easy runs to then feel good to then do that kind of that harder workout. Um, because I think where people get themselves into trouble, where they get injured, where they start overtraining, and this is myself included in the past, is you feel pressure. You're like, oh, yeah. my, you know, my, <laughs> my, my long run is scheduled. Got to do 18 miles, even though, you know, my, I got this tight calf. It's like, no, you don't have to. There, there's no obligation to do something that's on a spreadsheet. So, um, so I think, you know, really training intuitively and, and using this kind of this training framework um, gives people that, I guess, mental, you know, I don't know, like freedom or flexibility to, to train. Just just listen to your body and, and do the best training for you on that given day. Yeah. And where does strength training fit into all this? Because I guess 
traditionally runners have maybe been shy of, of lifting weights and getting in the gym, but I believe you're kind of a, a pro- proponent of it, aren't you? And like, I do feel like we're seeing more runners getting into the gym and more aware of this, but there still might be some reluctance or resistance about, I don't know, getting too bulky, worrying about slowing down if they, if they get in the gym and lift weights, even though for like two years I've been trying to get bulky and it's still not happening. So, you know, it's not that easy to put on muscle actually, is it? <laughs> no, no, that, that's the funny thing is people go, I'm going to, I'm going to put on too much muscle. I'm like, no, trust Good me, you won't. For people struggling five, 10 years to do that. Yeah. You get, you get bulky by, by eating at a, caloric surplus for a lot of times when you add, you know, uh, excess fat. Mm. No, the, you know, the thing about, um, weight training or strength training that, um, I think a lot of runners don't understand is th- they're just thinking in terms of like kind of surface level, they go, Oh, these, these bodybuilders, these guys, big, big muscles. I don't want to be that, that person. I want to be this big muscly person, but they don't understand that like with strength training, you're, you're making everything strong, your bones, your tendons, your ligaments, your joints. And that, that is what you need to withstand the, the stress of running, especially for, for distance running. You're running 30, 40, whatever miles a week. You're putting all that kind of that, that pounding on your, your body. You need a strong chassis, you know, you need a strong frame, um, to withstand that. So, I mean, that's just one of the uh, the many benefits of, um, of strength training is it, it's going to, I wouldn't say it prevents injuries, but I think it, it, um, somewhat mitigates, um, injury risk. It helps you rehab from injuries faster. Mm. Um, and then there are other things you get from it too. You're going to get, you know, better, like kind of increased force production, like, you know, like tendon stiffness, these things are going to help you run faster, better, better running economy. So, so I, I would say like, myself, for example, you know, I was lifting weights for, uh, several years before I started running. I really feel that like, especially at the end of the marathon, I just have this advantage of just like all those squats, all those deadlifts, building up those strong legs, those strong backs, you know, even though my, my legs are really, you know, tired and heavy that I I'm just, I'm able to kind of power through the end of the race. Um, you know, in large part due to that strength training. Mm. I like that. Like the, what you said about, it's not about the muscles, but it's also about the bones and the tendons and the ligaments that, that mm-hmm. makes, that makes so much sense to me. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. That's good. That's good. And so what, um, yeah, it's, it's everyone, everyone should do it. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. For sure. So what might it look like in a week? Um, are we thinking like two strength training sessions? Is it that? I mean, I guess you're you're not prescript too prescriptive, are you? But is it something like that? And then also, what kind of exercises might people be focused on? Is it like a bit of single leg work? I hear that that's kind of good for runners. Um, but yeah, you know, you're the you're the expert. <laughs> no, I'm not the expert. <laughs> and to be honest, you asked the million dollar question right. about this is one of the most difficult things in training about balancing um running and and we'll say like lifting weights because um it, lifting weights comes at a cost in terms of the the energy and the recovery costs in other words it's funny i think some people i've seen some guys they're like okay well i'm gonna run and then on my off day i'm just gonna lift upper body and i'm not gonna lift my legs and i go no, that's actually taxing. That that taxes your your nervous system. 
it's not it's not recovering so so i think the first thing that you have to figure out with your running is how much running you're doing how much volume kind of how much stress it's putting on your body and then where you can fit in strength training to that so for example if you're just running maybe three days a week and i think you could easily probably strength train two or three days right but if you're running um five or six days a week and you're doing a lot of miles like marathon training um you might only have energy or time for maybe just just kind of one day a week and then maybe one kind of like lighter body weight day um so so i think there's really something to like periodizing um all of your training right maybe kind of in your in your off season where you're running less and you you work on strength training more right putting on muscle getting stronger and then as you start you know maybe training for a, a half marathon or marathon um you know your your running volume goes up and you and your strength training goes down so that's that's kind of how i look at it is you're you're always um balancing the two yeah yeah oh and sorry and then um in regards to you asked about exercises right yeah yeah so uh single leg exercises are great um one of my uh top exercises is like a bulgarian split squat right so you elevate your your foot um behind you and um yeah the trap bar deadlifts um those are very good basically any heavy heavy compounds are good um it, it's actually the it's the same exercises that the bodybuilders do <laughs> that that's the secret that's the secret about about lifting weights is the best exercises are the best for everyone it, it doesn't matter if you're a runner or a senior citizen or a bodybuilder it's you the um the 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 uh exercises that are compound movements that that train a lot of different muscle groups are going to be the most kind of efficacious overall um and then um in terms of for runners i think other things you really want to work are your your calves right so doing calf raises um one thing i like in particular is for squats is for doing um heel elevated squats um so uh like standing on some sort of like a like a plate uh, in the gym or something or, yeah. Yeah, exactly yeah that will i think um get your uh your, your quads better because you know your quads take a lot of um of the force while you run so i mean and that's the thing about lifting weights or just strength training is it's there are a thousand different exercises and variations and bar you know barbell dumbbell bands body weight so it's really um there there's so many things you can do so i i would say to people don't get overwhelmed or intimidated by um what to do just just start mm -hmm. with something just find some kind of program just find a few basic lifts um and just start doing those and you'll and then use progressive overload right you just do let's say you do 10 squats to failure on monday when you go back on thursday just try to get 11 and that's and you'll that's how you know you're getting stronger yeah and then play with like the weight play with the rest that kind of thing there's all these little variables mm -hmm. but that's it makes it sound right. like it's complicated but it's not is it it's just about making those little tweaks and just just seeing how you feel like last night i went to the gym and i tried out a front squat which i hadn't done for a while had to be a little bit lighter than yeah. the back squat and just thought right, let's see what i can do seemed to do a few sets of 10 and like 
that felt good. That felt really good. And so it's just having a bit of fun with it, I think, isn't it? And playing with it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I love, I'm always experimenting, always trying new things. And there's something to be said, this is just for training or in general is uh, like a novel stimulus is like when you, when you do, when you introduce something new, some new sort of stimulus, especially in terms of like a strength exercise mm -hmm. that you're kind of not used to or not good at, you have the most to gain from it. So that's what I felt with like, for example, the Bulgarian split squat. It's a very challenging exercise because it's also working on balance. Yeah. So, um, so, you know, when I was first doing it, I was, I was shaking, you know, my legs were shaking and I'd always had, um, chronically like tight weed, ha weak hamstrings. And I'll tell you what, when I got good at Bulgarian split squats, when I started adding a weight, um, hamstring problems went away. Interesting. It was just, it was amazing. So it's that I think really, you know, strength training can be transformative for just really, um, any sort of weaknesses you have in your body, you can, you know, um, really correct those. Yeah. I felt the same thing with getting abandoned in my warm up. you know, when you step into the band and you do like sideways walks, pulling a band. Oh, yeah, right. So like, a, like a monster walk. Yeah, exactly. Like exactly. That, yeah. And yeah. that made some of my lower back pain. It made some pain that I had like kind of deep in my glutes. It was even affecting my sleep because I'd kind of like move my leg to turn over to sleep and it would like hurt. That, that helped that so much. And so I think there's all these little things and we have like these little things that are bothering us and we're kind of like, oh, that's, that's just me. That's how my body works. And it's like, no, actually like get onto no, YouTube. Yeah. Get, talk to a coach, talk yeah. to a physio and like we, there's ways to sort these things out and they can be, I think rectified pretty quickly as well with, with not a huge amount of work or time. It's just like little strengthening exercises could relieve so many people of, of pain. Yeah, exactly. It's that, that's what it is, is any sort of weakness you have in your body, strength is the antidote mm. to that. I remember um, in my 20s, you know, in my 20s, I thought I had a bad back. <laughs> I was like, that's it, done for the rest of your life. A bad back. And then, yeah, and then, and then, you know, what do you know? I start doing some deadlifts and strength training. No more bad back anymore. So it's it's just, yeah, it's, it's why I think 100% of people need to to lift weights because like you said, it, it will uh, solve any sort of uh, pain or, or things that are bothering yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Another question that's just kind of occurred to me, and it wasn't on like the, the list that I sent you, so so don't worry if like we can kind of skip over this, but what about things like sleep and nutrition? Like, is this stuff that you really pay much attention to um, with the people, well, for yourself or with the people that you work with? Is it, you just think there's some kind of general guidelines? Because I'm by no means an expert in either of those topics, but I've kind of read enough and listened to enough people to have just made some little tweaks to my life. Same with like the resistance band just like a little tweak to something that will help my sleep sure. and something will help me um, with my nutrition and, and it just you know it seems to be working I seem to have a good amount of energy I seem to be training well I'm training harder now than I probably have ever in my life and performing quite well and so I'm pleased with that and I think it's because of these little things but what what role does the sleep nutrition that kind of thing play um yeah Oh yeah. I mean, th those are huge. Cause that, cause the thing is, you know, it doesn't matter how well you train, you know, you can do all the running, all the training, but that's only half of it, right? It's, it's, it's everything. Well, what happens when you stop running? Yeah. Because that's where the actual, the, the adaptations come in 
is is the recovery right when you go from this you know kind of sympathetic to parasympathetic so it's like if you if you train really well but you recover like crap you you eat like crap you don't sleep well it's all for nothing yeah. right so you have to and again i'm, I'm not going to profess to being uh, perfect about nutrition or sleep I'm on, I'm on my phone a lot at night and um but i you know i try to i try to do the best i can um i would just say some general things nutrition uh i believe in being um like kind of having like a protein dominant diet so just eating a lot of protein um because that's just what you need especially the more active you are but i mean really for everyone um you know eating um kind of basing carbohydrate consumption based on exercise so in other words the kind of the more the the longer the more intense exercise that you're doing you want to kind of fuel that beforehand and then refuel afterwards with carbohydrates um and then in terms in terms of sleep i think sleep is really you know they, they use the term like sleep hygiene yeah, yeah. so i think it, it really starts it's 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 really a i think a 24 7 thing it's a kind of a, a holistic endeavor because you know um from what i'm aware of is like you know when you wake up you want to for example get um you want to see like the the sunrise early morning sun to kind of that sets your circadian clock and and then you know like with like you know caffeine consumption and exercise um blue light on screens kind of all of these different things can play a role in either you um sleeping well or or not sleeping well so it's about i think being kind of having some discipline um alcohol right that's a big one um and so and those are the the challenges i just think of of modern life or just um you know, it's uh, not everyone is great, uh, myself included. We're, we're not always great about making decisions that um, that help us sleep well. Oh, same. Like there, there can be days when I'm just doing all the wrong things. I'm like, I speak to sleep experts and I listen to the podcasts around sleep and then I still am doing like these ridiculous things and wondering yeah. why I'm sleeping not so well. And yeah, but that's what, that's what makes you, exactly. it's okay. It's all of us. Exactly. Yeah. But um, yeah, what, I like what you said about the, the, the rest is, and, and the recovery is just as important, isn't it? And the training and that echoes what mm-hmm. I've heard from so many people. And, you know, I had um, a, a breathwork practitioner who works with athletes and performers, uh, Jamie Clements on a, a few weeks back. And that's exactly what he talked about. He's like, you've done the work now it's time to recover. And so if you do the, you do whatever you need to do to get into that recovery, uh, like zone, then that's going to be helping you. So obviously he's, he focuses on breath work. So he talks about like at the end of a mm-hmm. training session, take like, yeah, take yeah. a couple of minutes, take five minutes just to slow down your breathing. It's, it's a game changer, isn't it? It's the most, it's the most impactful thing you yeah. can do. Yeah. I heard the same thing is that after, especially a hard workout, the first thing you want to do to go from sympathetic to parasympathetic is, is you know, kind of the deep breathing, even, you know, combine it with some kind of yoga or stretching, stretching yeah, is, yeah. is, um, yeah, yeah. Very, um, yeah, very impactful. For sure. And are there any other misconceptions, I don't know, around running, around training that you see, you know, we've already talked about knocking down some of these misconceptions about running slow and strength training, but is there anything else that, I don't know, you see on social media and like, you just put your head in your hands, you're like, oh my gosh, or, or maybe not. Maybe everything you see on social media is, is good and positive. 
I, th I think one thing that's maybe not, it's not like a misconception, but I think what a lot of people fail to grasp is that, especially like I'll say kind of the older recreational athlete is that the, what I would say is the necessity of cross training ah, okay. is that some people think, oh, I just, I just need to run. You know, I just, I just run a lot and that's what I do. And, and it's, and the thing is, is that running places a lot of stress on your body and you can develop aerobic fitness without running. So I think for a lot of people, a lot of smart runners, I know a lot of fast, very fast runners. I know they do a ton of, you know, cycling, they do a lot of cross training. And I think some people don't grasp that. I, I, um, I encourage people sometimes to think of their training, not, not what is the most running you can do. What is actually the least running that you need to do supplemented with all of the cross training where you can get really fit? Because I think people don't understand, like if you do a lot of cycling, for example, and you're just running maybe three times a week, uh, you can get really, really fit off of that. And then, you know, you're, you're lowering your, your injury risk. So, um, so I think, I think that's something that th for me personally, I've learned a lot about um, in the past year, because I, I've, I've always been active in terms of, I, I was always riding my bike everywhere. You know, I live in Tokyo, I'm commuting everywhere, but I never, I never thought about that as like training. I just thought oh, I'm just riding my bike. Cause I like, you know, getting out. But, but I, what I realized is actually, oh, I was building my fitness every time I was, you know, going out and, and, and cycling. So I think that's what, and that's what I encourage just people to do in general is just, move as much as you can, burn as many calories as you can, walk everywhere, hike, um, cycle, because all of that stuff is going to, it, go, it all goes into the same bucket, yeah, right? Yeah. And so I think that's really how you, how you can get fit without um, having to run so much. Yeah, I think there's a term for that as well. Is it incidental exercise, maybe? I'm not sure. Or incidental oh, sure. movement, yeah, something like yeah. that, isn't it? Like you're just, yeah, yeah right. incorporating movement in, in, into your day. And yeah, for sure, it's, it's that going back to that building up the, the base, isn't it? And yeah, what you said about the the cross training, I think that really kind of rang true to me when I was training for a marathon and it was my, it was my second marathon, um, but I wanted to do it barefoot. Um, that was my goal. I'd done, a couple, wow. <laughs> I'd done a couple of barefoot half marathon, half marathons, and I wanted to run a barefoot marathon. But I mean, I up the miles really quickly and similar to your experience, I up the miles really quickly, uh, doing a lot of running, more running than I'd ever done. Um, I don't know how many times per week I just like decided to ramp it up really quick. And of course, what happened, I was getting inflammation in my Achilles and it was causing me a lot of pain. And it got to the point where I just, I couldn't run because it was too painful. And so this was, I don't know, four weeks away from this marathon that I'm supposed to be doing barefoot. Um, and so I got in the gym and I just went on the cross trainer and I would spend like three hours on a cross trainer, no headphones, no nice, music, nice. no podcast. I, I was like, it. yeah, oh. yeah. And I was just like, well, animal. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, I thought, well, yeah. if I'm going to get through, 
You know, if I'm, it's going to probably really realistically going to be on my feet for four hours doing this marathon. Um, I need to just get used to just powering through and just getting my heart rates going for that amount of time. And yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I can't remember the exact timelines of when I got back on my feet and, and all that, but you know, I did it. I, I did the marathon barefoot and, and it felt great. And it was one of the most amazing experiences. And you might've like, I could have easily just said, no, forget it. Like I'm not going to do it. So the furthest I'd ran before I ran a marathon barefoot was a half marathon barefoot. And so to like double it and get away with it, I think, you know, just spoke to the power of the fact that, well, I just kind of cracked on with it. I did the cross training, got on the, got on the cross trainer literally. And, and yeah. <laughs> can, can I ask um, your motivation or how you got into uh, barefoot running? Uh, there, there was a, couple of people on social media that I saw doing it uh, more and more. One in particular, Tony Riddle, he's called the Nash Natural Lifestylist, I believe, on Instagram. Um, he was doing barefoot running and I just thought something different, I'll give it a go. And then it's also, it was about kind of the, like a minimalist approach. I think it was a time when I was thinking, like, how can I cut back on things? And I like to kind of present that um perspective of like we don't need all the stuff we don't need like the special trainers and the compression socks and all the yeah. nutrition and all that stuff like what can you do with with no shoes on and no like I don't know I didn't take like energy gels or anything like that I was just like I was eating my morning oats I was having coffee peanut butter bananas that kind of thing and just like seeing what I could do with with as least amount as possible um yeah yeah, I dig it. That's cool. I, I got into this, um, or I guess last year, I really got into the barefoot running. I, I just kept it on grass, but I just felt like it just felt so much better. Felt and so I good. just, I was really trying to avoid, um, you know, doing road running all the time is because I'm a big proponent of trail running and that's um, further away for me to get to, but I, I live near, you know, a lot of parks. So, yeah, I just just took off my shoes and socks and just ran ran in the grass and it just found it uh, very very enjoyable. It, it just feels great, doesn't it? And for someone that like was having yes. problems with my Achilles, and you know I've had problems with my Achilles since my early twenties. I ruptured my Achilles when I was twenty one, and so it's always kind of played up. When I when I was doing half marathons barefoot and I'd actually trained and prepared for it properly, like I felt really really good i felt really really good training and i felt really good running it's just for the marathon i amped it up way too quickly but aside from that like it just feels good and all the kind of the tension and the pain in my calves was just was, was so much better so i do recommend it but i definitely recommend people take their time and build up really really slowly i did a lot yeah. of you know yeah, i followed I that would, guy on youtube yeah <laughs> And I did like a lot of drills, a lot of barefoot drills where you're, you know, jumping and you're hopping and things like that. And that's the way to kind sure, of condition. Sure, yeah. 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 But it's, it's, yeah, yeah exactly. You got to, you got to condition. Yeah. For sure. Right. David, thanks so much for your, for your time, for coming and talking about this, um, this topic, which I find really interesting. Um, and I've also got, you know, friends and family that are keen runners and some of them are in the, in the kind of position of the athletes that perhaps work with you, that they are, you know, they've got full-time jobs, they've got families and things, and they're just wanting to 
up their mileage. They're just wanting to enter the odd half marathon, 10K, whatever it is. And they're just wondering, how can I approach my training that is in a way that's sustainable and manageable and will keep me injury free? And I think everything that you've said is just invaluable for, for that type of person, which is the majority of people, isn't it? You know, we're not all professional mm-hmm. athletes. Most people just want to stay injury free, enjoy exercise, enter the odd race for a bit of competition. And so... Yeah, really appreciate you, man. Yeah, thank you. I, I really enjoyed our, our chat. Nice one. So I do ask three quick fire questions to every guest that come, comes sure. on. You ready? Nice one. So the first one is, what's one lesson you wish you'd have been taught when you were a child? Yeah, I think one thing that um, I struggled with and probably a lot of kids struggle with is things that I, I was kind of bad at. I shied away from doing, you know, you, um, you get embarrassed or, or you lose confidence. And, and what I found that as an adult, I really embraced being a beginner or and kind of embrace being uh, starting at the bottom. So, so I think that's something as, as a child is kind of, um, you know, I, I wish I had um, things, things that I didn't have immediate success in that I kind of, I stuck with them. So that, I think that would be a good, a good lesson for all, for all kids. And what's one habit that you've perhaps introduced to your life that's helped you feel happier and healthier that our listeners might appreciate hearing? Yeah, actually it was, it was what I just mentioned uh, earlier about the uh, sun, sunrise and sunset. I think that that's a great way to go about your days. If you get up early enough, um, get out for a walk, you know, when the, um, the kind of the early morning or, or get your run or your bike ride in. Um, and then also, uh, yeah, kind of, um, cap off the day by, by being outside, um, when it's sunset and then kind of, you know, going into your, your relaxation mode, which is going to help you sleep better. So I think those are, that's, um, and that's something I've kind of learned, you know, in recent years, um, that can be really profound in terms of just mental, physical health. Mm. And finally, if you could give everyone in the world one book, which book would you give them? <laughs> everyone in the world. That's, that's a, uh, that's a big audience. Um, I would say uh, a good, a good book. I think for any person who would benefit from would be the Dale Carnegie's um, how to win friends and influence people. That, that's a, a a classic. So, yeah, that would be that everyone would benefit from that. Nice one. And people who want to connect with you, see what you're up to, find out more about your work. Um, where can they find you? Yeah, so they can find me on on Twitter or as uh, X as it's called now. Uh, my handle there is at uh, Run Lift Run Lift. Nice one. Thank you so much again. And another conversation that I'm really looking forward to putting out into the world. Thank you, David. Yeah, thanks a lot. I really enjoyed our time. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you found my conversation with David insightful. If you enjoyed the episode, please do share it with friends, family and colleagues who you think would find it helpful. You can also support the podcast by following and rating the show on whichever app you're listening on. Thank you again, and I look forward to bringing you another episode soon.